welcome back to From My Mom's Basement. I'm your host, David Chamberlain, and this is episode 23 of the podcast, titled New Pages, written by myself. Thank you all for listening. The following is a correspondence between famous author Arthur Stonedish and his editor, Frank O. Togleish. From Frank Togleish, dated 12-17-20. Hey Arthur, my holiday greetings to you and your wife. How are you liking the new house? I'm sure the winter there is something to see. Has it snowed yet? Tell me. Are the repairs going along well? I know you had a hell of a lot of work cut out for you with the remodeling and all. If you need any help with that stuff, I have a friend in the contracting business. In fact, he lives near your new place. Let me know. He is struggling for cash right now. You know how it is with the pandemic and all. It'd mean a lot to him if he could just do a little something around your house. Even if the work is superfluous, arty. I think you should try and see if you can hire him. I have provided his phone number below. Anyway, that's beside the point. I gotta come straight forward and ask if you have anything for me to read. I got these guys breathing down my neck and they want to see new pages. Now. Please write back soon. Thanks. Here's his phone number. 430-990-2343 with regards, Frank. From Arthur Stonedish, dated 12-20-20. Frank, look, I'm engaged in this really kind of ridiculous, idiotic, bullshit, double bullshit story right now, and I have to see it through or else I won't know how to trust myself anymore. If I give up on it now, I'll never be able to believe myself when I say I'm going to write something ever again. The pages I have written are so bad they make me want to drink furniture polish, and I will, in no way, be letting anyone see them as of right now. They're so bad I literally cannot sleep knowing they are sitting on my desk. I feel sick. I am ill. But, like I said, I gotta slog through this story of bullshit until the bitter end. It's the only way. Maybe, when I finish the whole manuscript, there will be something there, some kind of diamond squeezed out of all the granular, useless, rocky stuff. Probably not, but it's worth a shot. Now, as for your contractor friend, I invited him over the other day, and he came all whacked out on some kind of barbiturate or something. His eyes were freaky, Frank. I'm serious. I imagine there are women tied up in his basement. I don't like the look of him at all, if I'm being perfectly honest. I invited him in and had him take a look at the kitchen expansion project, and he kept pacing up and down the tile, rubbing his hands together like a cartoon villain and whispering, Ah, this'll come out nice. Yes, we'll make this look real nice, won't we? Yes, we'll make it shine. And I gotta say, Frank, that kind of behavior is just really weird. My wife was uncomfortable. We asked him what his rate was for that kind of a project, and he kept saying, You'll find out soon enough. As if his charging us for the labor was some mysterious thing to be kept hidden, but also something imminent and unavoidable. He's a nutty guy, Frank, and frankly, doesn't seem to take care of himself, either. He stunk like onions, and his hair, what's left of it, was blanketed in snowy layers of dandruff. He seems to exclusively wear tank tops and short shorts, 
even in negative 10 degree weather, and has a set of teeth similar to what you might find in a stray Haitian dog's mouth. Not the kind of guy you expect to do quality work. How do you know this guy again? Anyway, hope that answers your questions. And yes, the winter here is nice. Merry Christmas. Yours, Arthur. From Frank Togleish, dated 12-23-20. Arthur, it would mean a lot if you could throw him a bone. He has a troubled past. He comes from a place you don't want to know about. He comes from a bad part of a bad city where a lot of bad things happen. We went to school together. He was a good guy in school, smartest kid there, but kind of fell off the deep end when we got out of there. I'm sure you've seen it before. It's a tale as old as time. He has loads of talent, but was crushed by the expectation of that talent. Look, I'm not asking you to hand him the whole project or anything, but maybe you could give him an odd job here or there. What's the harm in that? He's good with cars, too. Have him take a look at your car and see if there's anything amiss under the hood. It's Christmas time, for heaven's sake. Lend him a hand. Oh, also, the publisher is itching to get their hands on some of your newest pages. I understand you don't like where you are in your story, but you have to retire that pesky internal editor of yours. It's my job to say what's good or bad. Just send me what you have, please. Please. Warm regards, Frank. P.S. Merry Christmas. From Arthur Stonedish, dated 12-27-20. Frank. I find it hard to believe that this guy came from some low-down, no-good place if you went to Princeton together. I don't know a lot of street urchins who make their way to the Ivy League. And I have to say, this guy is becoming a nuisance. I followed your orders and gave him a couple odd jobs, you know, in the Christmas spirit, and he started doing things that are hard for me to transcribe into words, and I'm a professional writer, let's not forget. For instance, I asked him if he could stain my back deck with some weatherproof paint. Simple request, yeah? Well, he says, and I'm not exaggerating, That is not a simple job, sir. That is not a task you can just hand out casually. He then insisted to be taken into my backyard, where he could examine the, and I'm quoting here, exact characteristics of the wooden structure. I obliged, I took him out back, and when he saw the deck, he started clapping his hands together. Not in a happy fashion, mind you, but like an angry basketball coach trying to get a player's attention. His face became red and he started to mumble, saying things like, Oh, you really got me now, didn't you? Oh, I get it, I get it. This is some kind of perverted joke, isn't it? Oh, perfect. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'm still not sure what about my deck infuriated him so, but needless to say, he didn't stain it. After that incident, I was hesitant to offer him any more work, but I knew you'd be on my ass about it if I didn't, so I begrudgingly asked him to look at my wife's car. She drives a 2004 Hyundai, and it's making some off-putting noises when she goes into high gear. I told him the issue while we stood over her car in the garage. He nodded, as if in understanding, but his eyes were glazed and unfocused. I asked him if he wanted to look under the hood, and he stuck his palm out at me, as if to shut me up as if he were some royal and I were his subject. That kind of pissed me off, Frank. Here I was, offering this guy some work, and he has the nerve to silence me. Where does this guy get off? Then he tells me, and get this, in order for me to work on the car, its driver needs to be present. I got the feeling he just wanted to make some moves on my wife, so that's where I told him to shove it.
Christmas Day rolled around and I was feeling kind of beat up about the whole thing. Beat up about your friend, I mean. So, Frank, you'll be proud of me for this. I asked him over for Christmas dinner. Can you believe that? Talk about being Christ-like. My wife was a little nervous about the whole idea, but being that she's the most patient woman on earth, she obliged me. When I say dinner was strange, I mean strange in a kind of science fiction sense, like an otherworldly strange. When we first welcomed him into our home, which, if I'm being honest, was adorned perfectly, like something from a Norman Rockwell painting, he started things off by grabbing me by the shoulder, spinning me around like a top, and spanking my butt repeatedly. Hard, stiff spanks. They were the pats of an angry father. He assured me, as he was slapping my ass, that his Christmas spanks have quite the reputation. I had to put an end to the spanking fun when he started to chase my wife around the dining table. The dinner itself was okay. He ate in perfect silence, not attempting to say a single word. This was fine by me. My wife asked him where he was from and other simple questions, and he would just grunt or else burp, but say nothing more. My wife and I spoke as if he weren't there. It was kind of nice. When we finished dinner, he stood up, declared that he didn't believe in Christ Jesus, and that he knew Santa Claus wasn't real, as if he really needed to convince us or something, and then promptly moved to the living room. This is when things got weird. He sat down on the floor beside the Christmas tree, hands out expectantly as if I were supposed to just drop a present in them. Well, Frank, I didn't really think to get him a Christmas present, and I told him as such. This made him angry. Like, Rabid dog, head twitching, mouth frothing, kind of angry. He brought down the Christmas tree with one fell swoop and then started working on dismantling the curtains. When he started spouting off the profanities and spitting on the floor, I told my wife to lock herself in our bedroom. I guess he just couldn't accept Christmas without presents. I had to manhandle him and wrestle him to the floor. A real tooth and nail fight ensued. He got a few good hits on me, a couple groin kicks and one or two very provocative squeezes of my rear end, but nothing serious. In the end, I gained the upper hand. Once the situation was diffused and he was calm again, he promptly stood up, told me he had several other houses to visit, including Pastor Harry's, who is supposedly some sort of local celebrity, and then made for the front door. My house was left looking like a crime scene, Frank. This guy is an animal. And now, ever since Christmas, he's been coming around and prowling in my backyard. At occasional intervals during the day, I'll find him with his fists thrust in the air, cursing at my wooden deck as if it killed his family. If you don't talk some sense into him, I'm going to have to call the police. As I write this, I can see him through my office window, goose-stepping through my wife's vegetable garden. Please, Frank, you gotta tell your friend to step off. And soon. Also, no progress on my book. Sorry. Wait until after the new year. I might have something then. Yours, Arthur. From Frank Togleish. Date, 12-29-20. Arthur. Hope things are well with you and that your Christmas was pleasant. Mine was. We had a big family get-together over Zoom. It was actually quite fun. Melinda and the kids say hi. They also say they're looking forward to your next book. (laughs) I'm sure you're just as happy as we are to have this crazy year over and done with. This next year will bring us bigger and better things, I hope. And maybe a new book, too. (laughs) So, listen, Artie. 
I think there has been a, a little bit of a minor mix-up here. I was pretty distressed to hear about what happened with you and my friend, so I gave him a call and found out he's actually not living in your neck of the woods anymore. He moved. Yeah, he moved a few months back to Kansas City, Missouri. Also, as it turns out, and you're going to hate me for this, I miswrote the phone number in the first letter I sent you. It should be 991, not 990. So, it looks like you've been dealing with a complete and utter stranger this entire time. That's kind of interesting, huh? Anyway, I want to thank you for being so hospitable to this poor gentleman on my behalf, and would like to urge you to call the police at your earliest convenience. It seems like this man's behavior is only growing more violent, and I don't want to see you and your wife in any news headlines. Now, more importantly, I need you to get me some new pages by the end of the year. I'm serious, Arnie. I want something by the 31st. Anything, please. But just get it to me. I don't care if it's sewer sludge. Hope you have a happy new year and a great rest of your holidays. Stay safe and please make sure your doors are locked. Warmest regards, Frank. From Arthur Stonedish, dated 1-1-21. Hey Frank, yeah, I think we got the problem figured out up here. No thanks to you. I had to call you all kinds of terrible names for the unnecessary bullshit and fear you put my wife and me through. You know that? Damn your pages and damn your word count. I'm going to be writing on my own time, thank you very much. After that traumatic holiday season, which was set into motion by your urging, I should add, I'm fully expecting to take a few months off from serious, head-against-the-grindstone type writing. Consider this period of my unproductivity your penance for ruining my holidays. I did call the police, not due to your admonishment, let me be clear, and had the strange man apprehended. He's now on his way to some loony bin in upstate New York. No doubt a medieval castle-type place where ghosts wander the grounds. I'm sure he'll be scratching bloody Bible verses on the walls of his cell in no time. I have to say that I have no sympathy for him whatsoever. On that final day, just before the police slapped the cuffs on him, I found him urinating on my back deck, the propulsive force of said urination being so powerful, I thought, for just a split second, that he was power-washing the wood with a pressurized hose. This, however, was not the case. Sliding my back door open just a crack, I tried to yell at the guy to stop. How naive of me. This guy turned around and managed to aim his stream right into the crack, shooting his powerful urine inside my house with the cool dexterity of someone threading a needle. I got a good liter of the stinky stuff all over one of my favorite jackets, and the damage it did to my dining room is unspeakable. Needless to say, I was happy when the police finally carted the guy off. I got in touch with the local police station here, which is a kind of rinky-dink operation like something from the Andy Griffith show, and asked them if they could give me any information on the stranger. Nope. No, they couldn't. According to the United States government, the world's reigning superpower, the stranger doesn't exist. They can't find anything on him anywhere. No fingerprints, no name, no social security, etc. He's like a superhero villain or something, Frank. He doesn't have a past. He doesn't have records. What kind of can of worms did I open up here? Next thing I know, he'll be escaping the insane asylum like Michael Myers, intent on coming back here and killing my wife and me in our sleep. It's not a good situation, Frank, and I really do put the blame on you for this. 
So, anyway, all of this to say, you're not getting any new pages anytime soon. Lay off me, please, and don't expect any letters from me anytime soon either. I want some peace and privacy right now as I recover. Thank you for your understanding during this difficult time. Yours, Arthur. From Frank Togleish, dated 1-3-21. Arthur, the jig is up. I called your house and Marissa picked up. I was just wanting to apologize about the whole friend mix-up thing and for ruining your holidays, but it became clear that she had no idea what I was talking about. She told me you guys went to Cafe Trangs on Christmas and that you've been doing nothing but watching television and going to the club for the past month. I know this whole stranger saga is a fabrication and nothing but a bizarre way to get out of writing. I'm still waiting on new pages, Artie, and I want them by the end of the week. If you are as creative in your novels as you are in your letters, you might actually have something of an important literary career on your hands. Now, please, get serious, and no more excuses. Thanks, Frank. From Arthur Stonedish, dated 1-5-21. Hey, Frank. Okay. I'm sorry about making all that up, but I'm afraid my writing is going to have to be put on hold for the next few weeks at least. There's a rodent, or at least I believe it's a rodent, who has taken up lodgings in the crawlspace beneath my house. What worries me is that I believe he's recruiting some of his furry friends to come live with him. At night, I hear him and his compatriots raising hell just below my floorboards. It's kind of disconcerting. I can't sleep knowing they're down there singing canticles to their rodent gods. I think they're preparing to launch some nighttime raids. They're growing in confidence and in number. If I don't exterminate these things soon, I think I might have a serious problem on my hands. In other words, I will be engaged in this extermination project for the next little while, unable to really concentrate on my writing. I'm sure you'll understand. These weird things happen, as well you know. Don't expect to see any new pages for at least another month. Or maybe two. Or three. Or four. It all depends on this rodent thing. Thanks. Yours, Arthur. Oh, P.S. Don't bother sending any more letters and don't bother calling either. I won't respond in either mode of communication. Too busy. Thanks. Happy New Year. Thank you all for listening. That was episode 23 of the podcast, titled New Pages. This episode was written, edited, produced, and narrated by myself, with the music being by Kevin McLeod. Thank you all again for listening.